Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Just want to share with y'all because I feel like everyone just saw something. Let me clarify real quick. One of my fears in life almost just happened right before all of you. Hopefully you were all watching the screen, but I have a feeling that we have some personalities that are like me, which whatever you're supposed to do, you're going to find something else to do. And as I'm walking across the stage, my foot catches this right here, and I have this. Play it off really cool as we come back over here. So if you saw me stumble, yeah, that was it, and it was about to be ugly in front of everybody, but God in His grace allowed me to catch myself. So thank you all for being here this morning. If you've got your Bibles, go on over to Luke chapter 7 as we continue on in our study of the Gospel of Luke. Um, uh, Friday, I had the opportunity to, to go to one of uh, our Baptist colleges in our state and, and meet with a group of college leaders there on their campus and, and talk to them about authenticity in our relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to be honest with you. I, I told them, I said, you know, uh, all of you who are sitting here in this room chose this school because it was a Christian university. I said, now, for me, this is the second time that I've ever been on the, the campus of this university. And, and when I was in high school, I wasn't looking for colleges based off of their statement of faith in God, okay? I wasn't saved, so, so you're sitting in a spot as a 18, 19, 20-year-old that, that for me who didn't get saved till I was 20, I can't understand. I said, but I do have something that, that I want to kind of address as we get to going into this this morning, and it is this. If you are unwilling to be authentic, real, and open about your walk with Jesus— if within you is some sort of uh, Pharisee that, that says, as I move and interact in this college campus that's filled with 100, so in order to go, you've got to say that you're a Christian whether you are or not, all right? And so, so for, for you to, to kind of be here, like I, like I understand this is going to be difficult for you, and, and then let me also kind of talk about this, like, like if you confess some things in here and someone snitches, you could get expelled. So I get all of that. I get all of it. But I also need for you to understand, if we're going to look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, and to be discipled into being a growing follower of Jesus and, and, and disciple others to be followers of Jesus, you have to understand that it's got to be okay to not be okay. It's got to be, you've got to have a place, you've got to have a posturing within yourself internally that recognizes that I don't have it all figured out, and in the things that I don't have all figured out, and, and listen, like, I'm not talking about like theology, I'm, I'm talking about application of theology, that, that within my life that I don't have all of these things figured out, and I've got to have men and women of faith that can surround me, and that it can be okay that I'm not okay. 
And what I feel like we're dealing with, and we talked a lot about this. Um, I had eight in, in, in my, my, my little group that I was leading there of these campus leaders. All of them are, are heading into vocational ministry once they, once they graduate. And so what we talked about is, is that at this school, if, if we're not careful, what this school is, is a picture of the church where it's not okay to be okay. And, and what we're really going to what, what I want us to kind of dive into this morning, and we're going we're gonna to kind of begin with, with this and, and, and just have a moment of honesty for us, and, and, and I'm hoping that, that this can take us to, to another step in our walk with the Lord, okay? It, it is a question that we have to wrestle with and that we have to answer, but, but if we're just going to be the, the Pharisee that has it all figured out, the Pharisee who, who we're good, uh, then, 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 then we're never going to go there. We're, we're never going to get there in our journey with the Lord, and so here, here's what I want to say to you this morning. As I, as I am where you, I, I don't want to say I've been where you've been. Here's what I'd like to say. I am where you are. I am where you are. Is that if we are honest with one another, as spiritual as we want to be, as much as we love Jesus, as much as we desire to follow him, as much as we proclaim our faith in him, as much as we trust him in our lives, there are oftentimes moments in your life and in mine in our journey of obedience with Christ where Jesus does not meet our expectations. And it leaves us in a, in a, in a sense, in a feeling of sadness, of anxiety, of bitterness, and of questioning our faith. Like, is that fair? Like, like I hope that, that you're at a spot this morning where we're like, we're not saying stand up and tell everybody else what's going on, but that there's been points and times in your life where Jesus does not meet what you and I believe to be the reasonable expectations of our life. So I'm not talking about like, you're not a millionaire, so Christ has failed you. What I'm talking about is, is Jesus takes us down a path in life that we would have not chosen for ourselves. That his timing and, and his delivery in something is not the, the logical timing that, that we would have chosen for ourselves. That Jesus allows someone who is, and I'm going to use the quotes, good to suffer while he allows someone who's not good to prosper. It's a good friend of mine yesterday who lost his brother to COVID, his younger brother, who leaves behind a young wife and young kids who are all believers. But could we acknowledge that that wife probably woke up this morning feeling as if Jesus did not meet her expectations? Is it fair to acknowledge that that little boy and that little girl wake, out, wake up this morning wondering, God, why have you failed me? Is that fair? I, I think it's fair. So the question that I have for us this morning, if it is going to happen, what happens when Jesus doesn't meet your expectations? Look in your, in your journey of faith. And if you're a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, it's going to happen. Like, it was not my expectation that my wife would miscarry, yet she did. 
It was not my expectation that we would go through a battle of infertility, but we did. It was not my expectation that I would have twins, one who would suffer with health issues, and we would struggle through that, and while building medical debts, Aaron and I would both be without work, but we did. And we could continue on and on and on and on and on. Those weren't my expectations, but yet that's the path that God brought me down. Now I want to be very clear. God has never failed me. He's never, not, not one time, He has always been faithful to me, and he's always been faithful to you. And he did not fail that family who lost their dad and their husband, but it is fair to say that in all of those instances, expectations were not met. And so if we're going to walk in our journey with the Lord, if we're going to grow in spite of our circumstances, if we're going to take suffering on the chin and persevere through it, then what you and I have to really wrestle with at our core of who we are is what do we do when Jesus does not meet our expectations? In, in, in Luke 7, as we, as we, as we open it up, we, we, we're going to find that there's two instances where, where Jesus meets expectations. Jesus is going to meet a stated and an unstated expectation. Jesus is going to fulfill and bring in hope into real and tangible uh, scenes of what happens. The first deals with a, with a Roman centurion. Now, a couple things about this guy, right? He's an outsider. He's a Roman. He, he's not Jewish. He's a military leader. He's a military leader that has power, that has influence, that has money. He's a military leader who has done influential and good things in, in, in the world and which he lives for the Jewish people who are there, but he is still an outsider. And he has a servant who is sick and who is dying, and we're not going to fully get into the story, but, but he sins in hopes that Jesus will come and heal him, and Jesus is coming to his house to heal him, and he sends more and says, hey, hey, look, you don't have to come. You have power. You have authority. Roman soldiers say in this, you can do it, and Jesus does it without even being there, and Jesus fulfills the expectation. Like chalk one up, like walk out of here excited. Like, like we, we can misinterpret that passage of scripture, right? And we can say whatever you have that's going wrong, just proclaim it in the name of Jesus and it's gonna work out all right, right? There might be a lot of people who are actually saying that today. There's another instance right after that where, where Jesus is, 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 is in a small town, like, like small podunk nothing town, and, and there's a woman, a widow, and her son has died. And as Jesus enters into this town, he, he, he is greeted, right, right by, by the funeral procession. And he encounters her, and she has no influence, she has no power, she has no money. So in the culture, she's a widow, which means her husband is not there to provide for her. And so sorry, ladies, if this is the world in which you live, right, like you don't have your own retirement plan, right? It's based in your husband. Well, if your husband dies, then that's going to fall to your sons. Well, she has a son, and he dies, and so everything in her life, her provision has been lost. 
And so Jesus encounters her on this funeral procession, and he tells her, he says, hey, now now think about the the craziness of Jesus' words here for just a moment. He says, hey, don't weep. Don't weep. And then he reaches out and touches the cart that her son is being carried on, tells him to rise. And he begins to speak. So we can take that passage of Scripture, and, and, and we can misapply that and talk about all the things that we need to lay on the cart and that God in his faithfulness absolutely will fulfill the desires of your heart in this moment, right? But, but Jesus did, but, but that's not always the case. You see, during the time of Christ, blind people still remain blind, dead people still remain dead, and sick people died. Jesus healed some, but Jesus didn't heal all. And so we take that and we, we apply that to, to our lives, and, and we hear the, those mountaintop stories of, of these great and wonderful things, physically speaking, within our world of what God is, is coming and what God is doing. And, and, if we're, and, and, and then in that, right, like, like we do the, the compare and contrast to our life, and we're saying, man, great, like, like Jesus, you restored that marriage, but mine's still falling apart. Jesus, you healed them, but yet someone's still on a ventilator. Jesus, you pulled them out of the financial pit of debt that they're in, but yet I still find myself just being overwhelmed by all of this. And if we're not careful, we can begin to have this sense of, God, I just don't understand. Why did you do this for them, but yet you didn't do this for me? And so again, I want to ask the question to you. What happens when Jesus doesn't meet your expectations, right? What happens when the struggle is still remaining and the struggle's there? We're going to read in just a moment, starting verse 20. Jesus is going to heal the centurion's servant. Jesus is going to raise the widow. And all this gets back to John the Baptist, a man of faith, a prophet. Go all the way back to our Christmas series, right? Like, like his mom and, and, and Jesus' mom are, are, are cousins. And, and, and when, when Mary comes to John the Baptist, Elizabeth's mom, and, 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 and to tell her that she's pregnant, like when she walks in, remember, John the Baptist is the one cutting cartwheels, right, in her womb because the Messiah is there. If there's a guy who gets it, it's John. Let's just say, like, like here, here let's, let's be honest. Like, we, we see people in faith in, in, in the gospel and in, in the Bible, right? Like, their varsity level faith, like John the Baptist, Paul, David, like, like they're clicking at it, right? They're varsity. You and I are just trying to make the JV team, all right? And, and this is where they are. And this is John. But here's the thing John's in prison. And word gets back to John of all of the things that Jesus is doing. So look at verse 20. 
And when the men had come to him, they said, so this is a group of men, uh, followers of John the Baptist, his disciples, they come to Jesus and, and, and they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now let's pause, right? Remember, like John has baptized Jesus. John's been there. John knows. But, but here we, we get this, <laughs> what's going on here? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he restored sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind received their sight, the lame walked, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. So they come to Jesus and they say, hey, are you the one? And Jesus just starts working. And Jesus starts healing. And Jesus starts teaching. And then Jesus looked at him and says, hey, hey, go and tell John what you've seen, what you've heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. See, John's ministry and his life had been based in the reality that the Messiah would come and that in the coming of the Messiah, there would be justice would be restored and there'd be punishment for sinners. John's whole message, right, is, is repent, repent because the Messiah is coming. All of these things are true. All of these things are right. This is what God had called. This is the message that John, that, that John received from God in the wilderness to do. And so Jesus comes, the Messiah that he longed for, the Messiah that he is waiting for. But instead of Jesus coming in and like kicking the doors down and bringing justice and, 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 and bringing wrath and pouring it out on the, on the sinners, Jesus is moving around from like small town to small town, healing a bunch of people and doing preaching, and John's like, whoa, whoa, time out. Jesus, this is not my expectation, and it's based in Scripture. <laughs> it's based in who I understand you to be, and I've been obedient. I've done all the right things, but yet, Jesus, I'm in prison, and you're blessing the Roman." What's up with that? What's up with that, Jesus? Now, I want to be honest with you. In my life, there have been spiritual moments where I say, Jesus, spiritually, I feel like I'm in prison and I'm looking around and you're just blessing a whole bunch of Romans and, and I don't get it. I don't get it. Who, who are you and why am I where I am. Jesus isn't supposed to heal the enemy, but he is. Jesus isn't supposed to bring life to the insignificant, but he is. Jesus isn't supposed to show mercy to the undeserving, but he does all of these things while John rots in prison. And, and here's, the, here's the thing, church. If we're not careful, as we are on our authentic, real, working, moving relationship with Jesus, right, there are going to be times where you find yourself in the prison cell of your life and the news that you get from 
others is God's blessing on them. And God has not failed you, but he's not met your expectations either. So how do we deal with that? How do we process that? How do we not come out of this bitter? And how do we dive deeper into who he is? Well, it, Jesus, I want, us, I want us to look at his words and understand what Jesus brings. You see, because Jesus says some things that are very significant. Jesus does before them some significant things that are going to point John's disciples to a better understanding of who he is. He's going he's to continue to do in front of them what he's always done, but he's going to speak to them what they've already heard, but in this to, be, to begin to bring some understanding of the process of fully who he is. Because in it all, Jesus is going to look at him and say, because I do these things, I am the Messiah. And it is who I am. And so Jesus says, yes, what I bring in my, in my life is what I bring in my person of who I am. And so I bring healing. I bring healing. We're going we're gonna to click through these pretty fast. We're like, Jesus, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you've healed the blind. Jesus, you've restored sight. Jesus, the lame has, has walked. The lepers has been cleansed. But Jesus, you're healing. And, and so you're sitting here today, and you're like, well, Jesus, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm here for. But, but here's what I want to get us to, to begin to understand and us begin to grasp. In the miracles that we looked at several weeks ago, that just in the moment where Jesus is, is, is implementing these in this physical life that we know and that we understand, and let's be honest, that we sometimes get lost in. Like you and I, in the feebleness of our mind, cannot begin to grasp what eternity is and what eternity means. And so Jesus says, when I, when I heal, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving a glimpse and a picture of what this looks like for all, for all who, who, who receive me in, in, in giving freedom from sin, right? It's what, it's what everybody gains in the moment. What, what caused you to not be able to live your blindness? What caused you to not be able to, to walk? He heals. And then what we gain from that is the same thing in life of what's pulling you and what's holding you and I down, the sins of what we consume and what Jesus brings is he brings healing in that, which means he gives freedom. That, that Jesus, what he not only brings healing, but he, but he brings life. That just as Jesus touched the cart or made the or spoke the word and what come from that was life in the individuals that Jesus does that but not only just in the physical sense but Jesus saying hey he eternally that's what I'm working to do I'm restoring the brokenness of life and engaging for who we are and that's what we can work toward and what we can have that I bring life <laughs> Jesus says but also bring bring hope I bring hope in, in Jesus' words, he says, he says this, the poor have the good news preached to them. The poor have the good news preached to them. Jesus doesn't say that the poor are handed bags of gold, right? Jesus doesn't say the poor have, have their poverty walked away from them. 
He, he, he's saying, well, but what happens is, is the poor, what they, what they find, what they're granted, what, what, what they're given is, is, is hope. Here's the thing about hope. Hope isn't manifest right now, right? Hope is always at a, at a future of what we can look to and what we can long for. Hope is what keeps us in the midst of the storm of, of knowing what the tomorrow or the next week or the next month or what the next year can, can look like. And Jesus says, so, I, so the poor, they have the good news preached to them, the good news of the gospel, the hope that you and I have. You know, well, that's, that's, that's a clean, easy way to kind of skirt <laughs> where I am, Right? That, that, that's, that, that's a really Baptisty way of saying get over yourself, right? I, I, I want to admit that for, for a second, okay? Like, hey, it doesn't matter where you are, God wants to give you healing. It doesn't matter where you are, God gives you life. It doesn't matter where you are, God gives you hope. Now go out and suck it up. It's hard. It's hard to suck it up. So what do we do in the moments in this when, when we're broken? Here's what we have to do. Here's the peace that God has given me in my suffering now, in my suffering then, and what I want to cling to in my future suffering. In the moments where my expectations aren't met and the only thing that can remind me of, of where they are and is found in the, in the words of Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 9. As Paul is going through, I mean, a man who is beaten because of the gospel, a man who is imprisoned because of the gospel, a man who will lose his life because of his gospel. And here's what he said. In the middle of all this, he says, but he said to me, God speaking to the heart of Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power. And, and if you're an underliner in your Bible, like this is underline, like highlight, like go write it on your mirror at home so you see it every morning. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your perfection, in your strength, in your ability. No, in your weakness, in your weakness. God says, when, when the world sees me manifest is not in the moment we're spiritually speaking like you and your own ability is bench pressing that weight off of you, that you and your own ability is overcoming every battle that you face, that in that moment where my grace is sufficient for you, where my power is made perfect, it is found in your weakness. And so look at what Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Jesus Christ, then, I am content. <laughs> I'm content with weaknesses. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecutions. I'm content for calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. <laughs> and it's in those moments when everything's falling apart 
It's in those moments where, where the suffering is too much. It's in the moments where you feel alone, where you feel beaten down, where you feel that your integrity has been challenged. It's in those moments when we can say, but Jesus, you're enough. But Jesus, you're enough. Right? So what do we do when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? Jesus is enough. And this is the Messiah that he is. And so, so, so what happens to us when things stay bad? What, what happens to us when, when, when the struggle continues on, what happens to us when we continue to experience hurt? Jump, jump down to verse 36. She's going to have another encounter with not a theological giant. Jesus is going to have an encounter with someone who doesn't have it all figured out. Jesus is going to have an encounter with an outcast who's done a lot of bad things and is paid the cons- and paying the consequences for who she is and the decisions that she's made. Verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. All right, so like, let, let's just go ahead. Like, like this lady is a prostitute. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now a couple things, let's just real quick. He said it to himself, and Jesus answered him like that. We could spend weeks on that, right? <laughs> so, so just mo- like if you're thinking it, right? You know that, that phrase like think before you speak, but, but, so please continue to, to maintain that, right? But here's what I do want to say. Like be willing to be vulnerable enough with God to understand that he knows your thoughts, right? We, we, we can't fake it. Verse, verse 41, Jesus tells him a story. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they cannot pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? And Simon answers, the one, I suppose, who canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her, uh, I, I tell you her sins, which are many, 
are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say to, among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Heard a guy speak about this passage one time, and he entitled it The Faith of a Prostitute. And he challenged the church, right, to be more like her. And here's what we see. We see what is manifest differently in the woman who is sinful and the Pharisee. What Jesus points to are their greetings, how they welcome Jesus. And so for you and I, with where we find ourselves in answering the question of right now, Jesus, where are you in meeting my expectations? Jesus, where are you in this pit with where I'm at? The, 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 the one that I want to be careful on is this, that our heart does not become hardened like the Pharisee, but that our heart remains tender. And what we can see from her is who she is in that today, the greetings of faith, the greetings of Christ. Look what she did. She, she welcomes Jesus, right? If someone came to your house during this time, what you would do is you would offer them a spot to, to wash their feet. I don't know about y'all, but since COVID hit, like right when you come into our house, uh, you kind of walk down a, a little hallway that's there, and then we have this island that's in our, in our kitchen. And do you know what's there on our island in our kitchen is like a 350-ounce bottle of hand sanitizer, right? So you come in our house, and we're like, hey, you want to get some of that for me real quick? Like, gotcha, love you, glad that you're here. Let's kind of wash up a little bit, all right? So during the time of Jesus, right, you would come in and, and they would wash your feet, but, but he doesn't do this. And so she wants to wash, her, wash his feet. And so she washes them with her, with her tears. And in doing so, she welcomes him. And here's what she's saying to Jesus. Think about when you welcome someone in your home, what are you saying? Man, I'm glad that you are here, right? And Jesus looks at her, in her eyes, what she communicates, that I'm glad that you are here. I, and I don't get to watch TV very much anymore, um, but, but I used to, right? Do y'all, I don't even know if it's still a TV show, but do you remember the game Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Is that still a thing anymore? Is it? Anybody know? Maybe not. All right, so there was, this, there was this game show, if you don't remember, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you had to answer a bunch of questions, and, and if you needed help, you could get help. And one of the options was a lifeline. If you didn't know the answer, you had a lifeline. And this lifeline, you could reach out and call someone that you know who may know the answer for you. So they would reach out and they would help you. In fact, one of the ones that I remember, I think it was from the very first season, is there was this guy on there, and he had made his way to the million-dollar question. And they give him the question, and he says, yes, I'd like to use my lifeline. And then in the most awesome thing that I've ever seen on a game show, I believe it was his wife answered the phone. And, and, and Regis goes through his whole spiel, right, about he's down to the last question to win a million dollars, and he wants your help in this question. And so he hands it over to this contestant, and he doesn't ask a question. He lets his wife know that they're about to be millionaires because he knows the answer, right? I thought, hey, that is awesome in that moment. Well, I heard someone say one time 
that Jesus is like a lifeline. That he's there for you to call him when you need help. And here's what I want to say. Can you call Jesus when you need help? Absolutely. But let's do not see Jesus simply as a lifeline dangling out that only in moments of help do we reach out. That in his spirit that he sends us and that he gives us with who he is, that he is more than that. So here's what I want to ask you in your moment of where you are, where, where you find yourself right now as a person of faith. Are you simply welcoming Jesus? The, the, the second thing that we, we see here is she enters into relationship with Jesus. She begins to, to kiss him. She kisses his feet. Now, you're like, man, that, that, that's, that's, that's weird. Like, that's not what we would do. And you're right. Like, that's not what we do. If you come into my house, like, don't do that, all right? But Jesus says to Simon, like, hey, you, you didn't greet me with a kiss. But she hasn't stopped kissing me. Now, first, let's, let's think about this, all right? Before we judge others, think about the character and the integrity of a woman who's kissing Christ. And he welcomes it. The beauty of the gospel. That he welcomes it. That she kisses him. And in this, she enters into relationship with Jesus. Right? I want you to, to get a picture of culturally speaking. Let's look at what even we understand a kiss to be. It's a defining moment of the intimacy of the relationship. I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about relational intimacy. Where she says, Jesus, I want to I know you and who you are, right? As some of y'all came in this morning, I, I typically try to greet you with how you greet me. So those of you that come in for a hug, like, like I'll give you a hug back. Right? I'm, not, I'm, I'm all right with that. For those of you that want a handshake, I'll give you a handshake. For, for those of you who want to, <laughs> I'm back there with you, right? Some of you that want the fist bump, I'm there with you as well. Here, here's what I think. Some of us need to start stop fist bumping Jesus and need to start kissing his feet, right? <laughs> like we're walking by Jesus, like, hey, what's up, man? I'm going. There you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. And the reason why we're so struggling at the bottom of the pit, the reason why we're so struggling in that moment, right, is because the, the intimacy there has been lost. Don't confuse and think that intimacy with Christ is going to be gained through the spiritual works that you do. But the intimacy with Christ is going to be found in the depth of your relationship with him, right? The intimacy that my wife and I have together is found in the mingling of our souls and the time that is spent and the understanding that we have with each other, right? Don't miss that with Jesus. And the last thing, she, she honors him. She honors him. She anointed his, she anointed his feet with oil. Here's what she's saying. All that I have is mine. All that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. And I'm putting it on your feet. Do with it as you please. Right? The depth of the level of trust she honors to Jesus. I want to ask you a question. In your life, what are you holding on to that is valuable to you but needs to be splurged on Jesus? that needs to be just wasted on him. This year, 
my family and I, we took a challenge, and our challenge was we all got the same chronological Bible, and, and, and the challenge was that we were going to read through um, the Bible together as a family, and, 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 and then continue to have discussions about what we read, and, and the good news is for, for my family is we've got two rule followers who are like every day, like they're trying to get ahead, they're trying to work toward that, and then we have me and Grayson, right, and, and we're not that within there, um, and, and so what, but what I'm doing that's a little bit different than what I think some of the others in my family are doing as I'm working through it, I'm, I'm kind of journaling some things as we go through. And, and, and I want to I read to you what happened on January the 11th. On January the 11th, the chronological Bible that I'm reading brought me to Genesis 20 through 23. Abraham and Isaac, the son that he had longed for, the son that God had promised him, the hope of everything that he had. And, and in that moment, I want to be honest with you, moment of transparency, all right? I opened it up that morning, and I thought, man, I've read this before. I probably preached this story more than any other Old Testament story. God said, dummy, read it. So I read it. And, and here's God gave me. It's a question. The question was this. With what sacrifice are you trusting God? Not with what convenience, but what sacrifice? God looked at Abraham, and he said, everything that you've hoped for, everything that you've been promised, Everything that you and your wife have prayed for is found in Isaac. Give him to me. Give him to me. In your weakness, he's made strong. Right? I get it. I'm there with you on the personal battles and the things that we face and what we're going through. I, I get it. I get it. It'd be easy to say we walk out of here and we're all going to be the Roman centurion and, and God's going to do that. It'd be easy to say, hey, we're all the, the, the widow whose son has died and as we walk out of here, it's all going to happen in that pit that you find yourself in, but the, the truth of the gospel, of the defining moment of, of who Jesus is in our life for us, in this moment, in scripture, and for us, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Would you pray with me? God, I just, I just pray for us as a people. Lord, for myself, as I go through seasons and moments and days of life where, Lord, I feel and I'm wrestling because what I hope for, what I long for, God, all that I want, Lord, all that I need, all that I feel that needs to bring me happiness here on this earth, Lord, Lord, all that I feel like I deserve of what I've done as I've poured out my prayers and I've done my religious works and I've given my offering and I've laid down my sacrifice, Lord, and all of these things. And so, God, I feel that, Lord, you owe me this. And, God, if I'm not careful... 
where I can find myself at the end of bitterness and anger and frustration. God, your love for us allows weaknesses. Your love for us allows insults, allows hardships, allows persecution, allows calamities. Lord, because for when I am weak, then I'm strong. For when I am weak, there's no longer me who I depend on, but it is you who I press into. For God, when I am weak, you are, you are glorified. So, Lord, I just come to you this morning thanking you for the suffering that is brought to us. Thanking you that we don't always get our way. Thanking you for the hardships that come because, Lord, you're refining us and you're working in us. And we praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand in just a moment to respond and worship. I want to, I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe you've got that battle. You've got that situation that, that you're facing. Maybe, maybe you need to come down front this morning. Maybe you need to line up in, in, in front of the stage. Maybe you just need to kneel down at your, at your seat. Maybe you just need to have your moment with the Lord. Here's what I'll say, like, if there's that peace in you that says not, not wait till you get home, and don't wait, don't wait. Right? Lay on the altar huh, what is closest, what's most valued, where all your hope and all your joy in this earth is found. It's like, God, you have it. come down front. Maybe you need to kneel right where you're at. I'll be at the very back. Maybe, maybe you need to come pray with me. Just respond to the Lord. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for this moment in time where we can come before you. God, we thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.